Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends, welcome back to A Life Invested. I am very grateful today to have a good friend joining me on the show, someone that I've been able to watch kind of from his early stages grow into just a mammoth in business. He's crushing it, doing a great job. He's someone that a lot of people love and look up to and uh, is well-respected. He's doing great things in uh, not just business, but in life as well. He's inspiring a lot of people. This is Kyle Davis that we have on the show today. Um, Kyle is impressive. He's the founder and CEO of Red Carpet Cleaning. It's considered one of the fastest growing carpet cleaning companies in the world. So super, super cool. Excited to hear more about that. Now with over 20 locations established in the last two years, Kyle specifically helps aspiring entrepreneurs and summer salesmen take the next step in their entrepreneurial journey. So dude, Kyle, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, man. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Chat with you. Well, we're excited to have you. We're very, very excited to have you. And thank you for being here. First and foremost, if people want to learn a little bit more about you and what you're about, what you're up to, where do they go? Um, I would just say reach out on Instagram is, is my best platform. And it's just at just Kyle Davis. So really plain username at just Kyle Davis. And there's meaning behind that. Um, but yeah, at just Kyle Davis, shoot me a DM and, uh, or Facebook and we'll go from there. I love it, dude. What's the meaning behind it? Uh, I, uh, a long time ago, I competed in a rap battle in college and everyone, all the other rappers were introducing themselves as like, these crazy nicknames. Um, and, and then they asked me what my name was. And I just said, just Kyle Davis. <laughs> and people awesome, loved it. Um, but well, we have time, maybe we need to have you, you know, spit a rap or something here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But, uh, okay. after that, I, uh, kind of realized like, I really am just Kyle Davis. Like I'm just the most, if, if I died tomorrow, I would want people to remember me as the most average, like he, he was just Kyle Davis, but he did extraordinary things. And I would want them to realize like they may just be a person, but they can do extraordinary things and probably way more extraordinary things than I can. <laughs> so oh, that's interesting. I love it. So the whole idea is like, somebody may feel like if they look around, they may think like, Hey, they're special. That's why they they're able to do what they're doing. Or they've, they've been born into this situation or they have these gifts or whatever. Right. But what you're saying is it doesn't really matter. Right. Kind of right. like, I'm just, at, I'm just a, a person. I'm a, I'm an average dude, but you can do extraordinary things as just a person. So. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Tell us about some of the extraordinary things that you've been able to do. Cause you certainly have been able to, to do some cool <laughs> stuff. Uh, well, back in 2017, I started a carpet cleaning company, um, really simple, very simple company, um, that kind of stemmed from just doing maintenance work at different apartment complexes. Uh, I worked for an apartment management company and one day I overheard them talking and they were like, of all the services that we do, landscaping, carpet cleaning, um, apartment, uh, what's the word, filling the apartments with tenants, uh, just making sure that everything is, is good to go. Of all the services they provided, carpet cleaning 
is the most profitable service. And so when I overheard that, I was like, man, why focus on all those other things? Why not just focus on the most profitable piece? Um, so that's when I kind of broke off and was like, I'm just going to do the most profitable piece. So I started carpet cleaning myself uh, and was just doing that alone for a little while. And then um, I ended up hiring a couple technicians uh, from there. Story in a nutshell, uh, a friend of mine, Brendan Yaki, saw what I was doing, reached out and was like, hey, man, I see that you're doing this kind of blue collar business. I want to try that out. Um, so he was technically our first franchise. And since then we've had tons and tons of other people just reach out and say, Hey, I want to do something similar. Show me how to do that. And we've, uh, taken them under our wing and helped them become successful. So that's the story in a nutshell. What a great way to, to do business. You found something that had really, really solid margins for yourself, right? So it's something that works really, really well. And now you're teaching other people how they can do it and creating freedom for, for others, which I think is just incredible. And not, not to mention the fact that right now there's been this ginormous kind of shift to tech and home services. Yeah. yeah, They're there. It's, it's a great place to be because um, fewer people are focusing on home on home services, which leaves a ginormous value gap for you. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's wide open blue ocean for you over there, yeah. which is absolutely stellar. I love that. And there's, there's very few carpet cleaning franchises, right? Uh, franchises of other companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most other carpet cleaning companies kind of keep it all to themselves. So they'll do that in one of two ways. They'll either keep all of their locations as corporate. So they're making most of the money, keeping most of the, the profit margin or if they franchise, they'll charge an arm and a leg for the franchise. And their minimum franchise fee every month is this astronomical amount. So they're still making, I mean, yeah, they might be franchising, but they're taking a huge chunk of money from these franchises. So it's just, um, our company has kind of changed that to put more money back into the franchise owner's pocket. I love that, man. I absolutely love that model. I think it's great. So tell us a little bit about the model. So if somebody would want to get a franchise with you, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, So if you're looking at any other franchise, really, um, your upfront franchise cost to kind of summarize it all together, you're going to spend anywhere between half a million bucks up to over a million bucks. Um, Obviously, you have to find a location. You got to buy all the equipment. You got to hire people. There's And to be clear real quick, this is for other yeah. businesses, right? This yeah, is this is for just this all businesses in general. If you're looking yeah. at any franchise, this is what goes into it. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to change that because I feel like there are so many other really good potential business owners out there that just don't have half a million bucks or more than more than a million bucks to put into this in the first place. A lot of people don't have that. And we want them to, to avoid taking out a massive loan, especially with the economy, the way it is these days, you want to avoid going into major debt. Um, So we offer these franchises at a really low cost, less than 30,000 bucks 
for a franchise. And that includes all of your equipment, everything you need to be able to run a successful carpet cleaning business. Um, so we kind of change that. And then other franchises will also take what's called a royalty fee. So all of the gross income that you bring in, they're going to take a giant chunk of that towards them. The, the better you do, the more money you have to pay to corporate, right? We've done away with that. So we don't take any percentage of a royalty fee. And this is where I've been told by so many uh, other entrepreneurs and business owners that that I need to change this or that I'm doing it wrong. Um, but I really don't want to change it. And that goes back to the purpose of like, we want to provide this business opportunity to people that, that don't have like tons of money up front. And so the better you do doesn't mean the more money you give to corporate, we're going to take 0% of your gross revenue we just have a flat monthly cost that you can pay for in like two to four services a month. So that's kind of the way we're changing franchising is super low upfront cost and then monthly cost, no, no royalty fee, just a flat, really low monthly cost. Yeah, that's uh that's brilliant. It's, it's almost like a, uh, a, uh, blue collar tech company, right? Honestly, because yeah. you've got so, like almost like a, the way software companies are set up with monthly recurring revenue that comes to you, but it also creates an incredible opportunity for individuals that are choosing to franchise with you because they don't have any percentage that they're giving away from deals done. So the better off yeah. they perform, they've got a flat fee, a fixed cost, and they get to keep all of the profits themselves. It's a really unique model. Um, and it's it's cool to see that you've been able to crush it with it. Let, let us know. I mean, the listeners, there's a lot of people that are going to be aspiring entrepreneurs or those that are already entrepreneurs that are listening to the show here. What is it, you know, that, that keeps you going? What's your why behind all of this? Uh, time. Um, I, especially lately, I've kind of realized like how, and you hear it all the time and so on social media, people are always posting about how valuable your time is and, and, once it's spent, you'll never get it back. It's free. Um, and I've seen all those posts before, but it never really hit me like quite how valuable it is until I got a lot of it back by doing my own thing. And now, now that I have it, I never want to let it go. Um, and I think more people would realize that once they start doing their own thing, um, they would realize just how valuable their time is. Um, and I think a lot, I think too many people are settling for whatever their hourly rate is when it could be way more or even, even priceless, I would say, uh, for, um, yeah, yeah, that, I guess that's the quick answer is <laughs> my time. It's too valuable. I don't want to give it up. It's a great answer. It's a really, really good answer. Um, and I, I like that a lot. Uh, I've heard it before and I've lived it and you have too. Now this idea that once the entrepreneurial bug bites you, it's hard to go back. You can't go back. I mean, it's so having, I, I've worked in the corporate world before I entered the world of entrepreneurship and there's, there's, uh, I mean, for, for some people it's what they want and that's great, right? There's many opportunities inside of the corporate world that some people just absolutely love. 
the, the thing that you have highlighted here and the aspect of entrepreneurship that is really um, addicting, right? And that keeps you going is this idea that you have complete freedom, right? There's, there's yeah. a lot of things you got to make sure are running properly and that the business is going well, you're taking care of people and you're providing value. Outside of that, though, you've got time to do what you want to do and to build things. Oh, you yeah. feel like a little kid in a sandbox with, with uh, you know, your toy trucks or, you know, yeah. Lincoln logs. And it's, it's a ton of fun because of that. I love that answer. Um, when things get hard for you, right? So Victor Frankl, he once said, he that has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow. So I am absolutely certain because if you're an entrepreneur, you've been through hard things. Right. Yeah. Um, if I was an octopus, I'd raise, raise all eight hands for <laughs> as far as somebody asked me saying, like, have you been through a tough times? It's like, of course, oh, right? yeah. it's just it's par for the course uh, in yep. in this in this world. So when you go through those types of challenges and you're, you're having struggles or hard times, what is it that keeps you going then? Is it is it family? Is it the money? Is it I mean, what is it that's uh, really kind of at the, the root of it all? I would say kind of going back to time, but also what I'm doing with that time. So like you brought up family. Um, I just had, I just had a newborn baby a couple months ago and being able to see him grow up and not miss any of, of these little moments is completely priceless. Um, and I would say like everybody else has probably said that, yeah, you're going to have really hard times. Um, I I'm definitely no stranger to failure. Uh, you and me being friends, I've talked to you, um, about like marriage stuff. I've been divorced twice now. Um, and I'm on my third marriage, which is awesome. Um, so great, but those were two very hard times. Um, I've started four businesses, five business businesses total, but the four previous to this didn't do so well. Um, uh, so I'm no stranger to failure, no stranger to, um, kind of having to trudge through those hard times. Um, and I would say just, uh, realizing what your potential is and being able to see like, okay, I'm, I'm having this hard time now, but I am working towards something that will make this hard time seem so small. And it's so true. Like now looking back at my hard times, they seem so small compared to when I was in those hard times. And they seemed like it was the only thing. And it was stopping my whole world when in reality, it's uh once you push through it, you'll realize that it's, it's just a little thing and there's so much good to come. Yeah. I really, really, did that even make sense? <laughs> oh, dude, I love the perspective. Here's why I was talking to my team this morning in our meeting and it was so good because I love my team, man. They are, I'm so grateful for them and I am beyond blessed to have such just exceptional people that work with me. They are the best. And we were talking about growth, uh, right? And how important it is. And we're talking about kind of it, what's interesting is like there, if, if you go to the gym, the gym's such a great metaphor for a lot of things, but there, there is no growth at all. If you were to go into the gym and lift like uh, a weight that wasn't that heavy and you lifted it up three times and put it back down, there would be no results, like zero would come right. from it. 
all of the results occur after your muscles start to stretch and tear. So on the ninth rep, when you're feeling, man, this is painful, right? That you keep pushing past those things. You move forward and you recognize that this is where I'm going to be able to develop. This is where my opportunities are going to be waiting. This is what I've been wanting, right? I've been wanting to grow. I've been wanting to push past my limits. I've been wanting to be able to find success and hit these goals, milestones, achievements. I want to reach my potential. And it is in this pain and this growth phase that it's going to allow me to get there. So we can actually learn. And I loved your perspective because we can learn to appreciate those things. Like they don't have to be things in our lives that are like, oh man, this is just the worst. Life is it's, it's tricky, right? Business has been so hard or whatever it is that's right. Like it's, it's so nice to be able to, you know, recognize a situation and say, wow, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to level up. Oh yeah. Um, And you can always learn from it too. Like, man, you're going to fail, but in every failure, there's going to be some lesson there that you can apply to your future success. Absolutely, man. That is great insight. That is great insight. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks a ton. Um, what would you say, like, say an individual wants to begin kind of crafting this lifestyle, right? This lifestyle of freedom. They, they want to hop on the road of entrepreneurship. Maybe they're stuck in the corporate grind. They've got these golden handcuffs on and they're like, dude, I want out. Oh, yeah. What do you think for them is the first step to, to kind of make the jump? Uh, identify what they are good at or what they're passionate about. Um, I, I certainly was not passionate about carpet cleaning, but I was really good at it. Um, and it was an easy service that I could easily offer to someone and just ask them what they would pay for it. So, um, my first step, my very, very first step was identifying the service or the business that I could do. Um, and I have kind of a, a brainstorming process that I go through that I want to make sure it meets certain requirements. Like, does it deplete? If it's a product, is it going to deplete? Do people have to come back to me over and over again to get that product? Or once they have it, do they just have it forever? Um, one of the businesses that I started that failed miserably was a dry bag business, which those dry bags, um, those are the bags that you put your gear in when you go backpacking, if you want to keep everything dry or kayaking or whatever. So you put all your stuff in this bag, you roll it up, clip it shut. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make the best dry bags. Um, I had a manufactured and they were so good, but that was the problem is that they were so good that once a customer bought it, they then had it and it would last forever. Like they never had to come back to me for another dry bag. Uh, and I realized pretty quick, like, wow, if I ever want customers, I need to advertise like nonstop. The only people that are going to buy from me are new people that don't already have my product. And so that was one of the things I didn't think about before. So now, now I have this process that I go through. So like, is if it's a product, is it going to deplete? If it's a service, is it something that people would want on a regular basis? Like, can I keep going back? And carpet cleaning was, of course, one of those things that, yeah, some people get their carpets cleaned like 
once in their lifetime, but the majority of people need their carpets cleaned on a regular basis. So that's kind of why I settled on, on carpet cleaning. Um, but I would say that's the first step for any entrepreneur, just identify something that, that fits that criteria and then take the first step and just offer it to anybody. Like you don't even have to have an official business. You don't need anything like just have what you need to get that service done or the product and just ask your family or friends, like, can I provide you with this product or this service and what would you pay for it? And then go from there. I love this insight. This is super, super good and uh, really helpful for listeners. One of the things I wanted to highlight here that Kyle mentioned is that he said he did not like carpet cleaning, right? And so a lot of times people have this misconception in business, like I have to do something that I already am in love with. And unfortunately, if that were the case, we would never have people that are doing work like um, HVAC or electricians or plumbers or carpet cleaning or window washing or garbage men or anything like that. What's really cool is that an individual can actually become passionate about something that they practice and become good at, to Kyle's point as well. It's really interesting. Like if if somebody is studying mathematics, they tend to really enjoy it, right? Like you never hear anybody who is super good at math say, I hate math, right? Like they're fascinated by it. They're intrigued by how it is in everything. And it's how nature is governed. All of these super, super cool ideas, just simply because they've invested time into becoming you know, fairly, fairly good at the subject. And that would go for science or English or whatever. Usually when we say like, oh, we don't like something, it's because we haven't invested time to learn about it or to get good at it. And so if somebody wants to start a company, they can actually say like, hey, I don't know a whole lot about this world, but I would love to invest some time actually kind of digging in and figuring out if it could be a, you know, a, a potential opportunity for me to, to kind of dive into right? Which is, which is stellar. I love kind of your process from beginning to where you are now. And I'm sure you've just got, you know, a, an entire world to conquer ahead of you. You're, you're doing such a, an exceptional job. I'll say too, one of the things that Kyle mentioned that's important for listeners to understand is just how crucial failure is in this process of getting to where you want to go, right? Somebody cannot become successful unless they're willing to get uncomfortable and do things that they're not used to doing right in the past. So they're going to have to, it's like as a kid, like picture a little baby. They decide to walk once a little toddler, they stand up and they trip and fall. They're like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to try again to walk. It's like we would be packing around 30 year old people on our backs because they never tried to walk again. But what's cool is that we recognize, especially as children, how important it is to keep trying and we have hope, right? These things. And those are things that as we get older are kind of conditioned out of us, unfortunately. Right. Like we start to feel like failure is bad. Right. And that yeah. we should feel shame if we fail. And that's exactly the opposite of the way that it should be. We should be looking forward to opportunities to fail and learn and grow and progress. So when when we have kids, me and my sweetheart, I'm just obsessed with her. I love her so dang much. When we have kids, what I want to do, we're we're trying right now to have some kids and we're stoked about it. It'll be awesome. But when we have kids, I want to be able to sit around the dinner table with those kids and I want to ask them you know, Hey, tell me, instead of just like, Hey, what went well for you today? You know, where, what, what did you find success at? I want to say, tell me all about how you failed, right? What is it that you struggled with today? And what did you learn from, from that experience? And I think that will prove to be a profitable opportunity for them and their futures in recognizing that failure is a really, really great thing. 
right? It's a stepping stone. So I oh, love yeah. what you love what you had to share. Any and other think, thoughts on that, please? Yeah, yeah, I think too many uh, things are categorized as failure these days. Like, yeah, great. Point. Um, it's kind of just this umbrella term that it's like if something didn't work out exactly the way that you originally planned it to, it's considered a failure. Um, when really it's like that, that may not be a failure. That may just be a learning step. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I think we need to stop categorizing so much as failure when really like take a door-to-door salesman, for example, if they went out and knocked one door and was told, no, I don't want to buy your product. If the salesman then said, I failed at door-to-door sales, a lot of other coaches and salesmen would jump in and be like, no, dude, that's not failure. That's just part of the process of door-to-door sales. Like you're going to get those no's. um, And it's just a matter of knocking X amount of doors before you get a yes. And even pro door-to-door salesmen are going to hear tons of no's. Like they'll hear more no's than they hear yeses. But each time they hear a no, they don't think to themselves, I am a failure at door-to-door sales. It's more just a matter of like, okay, this is a factor in my journey towards success. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you for, um, Gall, that, uh, that insight. That's, that's absolutely stellar and super helpful for people that are listening. I hope people have a you know, a notepad out and a pen and are taking some notes. Kyle's a great person to learn from, right? And again, I'd recommend that you go follow this guy on Instagram. That's kind of where his community is at. Follow him, learn from him. He posts some really, really meaningful stuff. It's, uh, it's great. Um, I want to ask you too, like, let's say there's a lot of things I'm sure you're doing right now to uh, find success and that you've learned. What's your, what's your number one productivity hack that you're using right now to, to be successful? (laughs) Uh, I think people are going to think this is a funny answer, but I would say cast a wide net or that's what I'm doing at least. Um, So if I want to find like a really good marketing team, I will hire like six marketing teams and then I'll, I'll figure out which one works the best and keep them on board, toss the other five and then hire another six marketing teams with now that new marketing team Um, and hire the best one out of that group. Um, So I cast a wide net when I'm looking for uh, productivity uh, answers or solutions. This is a really important idea as well. So let's kind of dig into this for just a second. What I love about this is a lot of times, like in our lives, if we find something that's working, we never question whether or not it's optimized right? We just say, Hey, it's working. And so we'll just keep using it. But ideally what we want to be doing, and that's really kind of like a recipe for mediocrity, right? Just like, Hey, I found this solution and I'm just going to stick with it. One of the best things that we can do in order to optimize our lives, our time, our freedom, right? Um, our, our, Our relationships, who we are as individuals is we can say, okay, how can I optimize this now? So you, I love this idea. You bring on six teams, you test them all out. One proves to be the best. And you say, okay, we're going to use these guys for a while. We're going to bring on a couple more and we're going to focus on optimizing again. And this is how the world of marketing actually works. It's all through A-B testing and it's like a mad science project. 
right? It's constantly like, it's, it's super fun. That's why business, I, that's why I could never go back to the corporate world because I really, really love the process of creation. I think it's just absolutely oh, yeah. amazing, right? To be able to have a brainchild, this idea and go, okay, now I'm going to bring it into existence and I'm going to just like little vials, you know, in a, in a laboratory, I'm going to test this and test this, and this is working and this isn't, and that caused an explosion and man, that one hurt a little bit, but I'm going to try some other, you know, formula. And it's, it's cool because when you find a formula that works, it's uh, it's something that's repeatable. And from there, even just because it works, doesn't mean it is the, again, the optimal solution. So I, I love that idea. What a cool productivity hack. I haven't had anybody on the show yet uh, mention that idea. That's, that's really uh, powerful. Um, yeah. let, let me ask you too. Um, let's say like you, I'm sure you have goals, right. Of where you want to be. So you've, you've got, and let's call where you currently are present day right now, point a, and let's call where yeah. you want to go point B. How, how do you map out how to get there? Right. Like what's your process for saying, okay, in, in, in a year, I want to be here five years here, 10 years here. Now, how do I, how do I do it? I'm, I want to give answers that like other entrepreneurs probably haven't given. I know you've had tons of really smart people on your podcast. Uh, I've heard several of them and I've heard several people say uh, things like, like, Oh, take your, take your end goal and break it down into smaller goals. Right. And then just work on achieving those smaller goals. Um just to give a different answer, I would say um, having a real focus on delegation. So realizing that I have these really big goals that I know I can't accomplish on my own. There's no freaking way that I can accomplish my end goals just by myself through hard work or whatever. I could work really hard for the next 10 years and I, I would still not, not even be close. So I put a real focus on delegation and bringing out the superpowers in others because there are certain things that I'm really good at, but there's a lot that I am not the best at uh, that I can turn to any of my friends and they'll be just superheroes when it comes to some of these tasks that will help me accomplish those end goals. So by focusing on delegation, it not only gives me time back, but it helps me accomplish those goals faster and more effectively because it's someone's superpower, right? Yeah, what a cool answer. Um, really, really cool answer. And I'll, I'll tell you why too, like for uh, another reason that I think business is such a powerful thing is you can bring people into an ecosystem of uh, support and like a, a team that is cohesive and symbiotic in nature is able to rise really quickly, right? So Jim Collins talks about this idea of a flywheel in his book, Good to Great and Built to Last. And the whole idea is like you want to, and there's another great book that references this principle called the energy bus. And I'd recommend all three of those books. They're all very good. But the whole idea is like, you can have a great idea. You can uh, have a, a, an incredible idea, one of the best in the entire world, but if it can't be executed correctly, it'll fall flat. Right. And so what's important is getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off. And I love this idea that you're you're teaching here of delegation, because um, there's people that are super good at things. I've got people on my team who are way better than me at things, way, way, way better. Um, 
And I, I am beyond thankful to have them on the team. I don't know what I would do without them. Right. Like it would be, they're just, they're just incredible friends, number one, but two, they are just enormously skilled right at what they do. And so I, I, uh, I really love this point that you're making uh, because they have superpowers, honestly. And for me to be able to say, okay, I can't do this as well, or it would be really, really difficult for me to be able to exert my total bandwidth on this particular project. How nice is it to actually allocate, you know, this project say, Hey, take this idea and run with it. One of the things that I want to mention about your idea here too, Kyle, that is so important is how, how much, uh, how important it is to give people the opportunity to express their superpower in their position, right? So sometimes as a visionary, as a leader in a company, you may feel like, Hey, it has to be done this way. And there is no other way. And that's not true, right? One of the, one of the greatest things that I've found is I, I'll have an idea. I'll be like, guys, what do you think about this? Like, what should we do? You know, and then I'll, I'll give it to somebody and they will just take it and run with it. And they, they build something way cooler than I could have built. And it ends up being uh, way better than I could have imagined because of their superpowers. And if I would have gotten in the way, if I would have stepped in and said, no, 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 we got to do it this way right? That would have, it would have limited them and it wouldn't have been fair to them, right? It's so fun to work together on these things. And so I love your, I love your insight. That's, it's, uh, it's really, really powerful. Uh, t- tell me what your, uh, your morning routine looks like, if you have one. <laughs> That's a terrible question to ask me as a new dad, because as of late, my morning routines have been like, wake up when the baby wakes up, feed the baby, who knows what time that's going to be at. Um, and then start, start grinding on my work stuff as best I can while still watching the baby. Right. But, um, so kind of two answers before I had the baby, it was super structured. It was like, wake up at the same time every day. What time Um, was it that you woke up? I woke up at seven. Um, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs say like, to be successful, you got to wake up at five, dude. I'm not a morning person. I, <laughs> I, I, hate I can't wait. I, this is awesome. Yeah. Keep going. So I like, that's just not the life that I want, want to live. Um, so I, I would wake up at seven. I realized like that was kind of my productivity, uh, uh, most effective productivity point to wake up at. If I slept in past that, it was like, Okay, I'm, I'm kind of behind. I've missed a couple texts or calls. But if I wake up at seven, I'm, I'm awake before any of my franchisees or any of my friends or family or anyone has texted me. And so I'm already feeling on top of it. Uh, so I would wake up at seven, kind of get things going for the day, shower, just the usual stuff, get ready for the day. Um, and then I would come down into my office and look at what I'm working on, um, see what my hardest step is that I'm sure some of your other interviewees have talked about, like, look at your goals, find like, uh, I've actually heard two perspectives on this, do the hardest thing first. Um, that way the rest of the stuff is easy. You just keep going throughout the day, you get more done. Uh, but number two, I've also heard like, do the easiest thing first. Um, so so that you feel like, okay, I've done one thing. I can now go and do the others. And quite honestly, for me, 
it would change from day to day. Um, sometimes I would just avoid and avoid the hardest thing um, just because it was scary. And I needed one of those easier steps to get me going for the day. But other days it was like, I just want to feel super productive. So I am going to do the hardest thing first and then the rest of my day is going to be easy. But um, I would say like, oh, so then, sorry, this is kind of a scatterbrained answer, but now going back to the morning routine. So I would look at my goals, decide what I want to tackle. And then um, I have a reading goal set. So I would read a little bit out of what's your, what's your reading goal. Uh, it's changed a little bit over the days, but, um, I'm a really slow reader to be honest. (laughs) Um, so my reading goal was to read three pages a day of any book. And that was something that was like a a stretch for me to do just because I hate reading. I'd rather just watch a movie about it or watch a YouTube video. Um, but then once I got into the habit, then it cranked up to like a chapter a day, um, and now I'm, now I'm reading a ton, but, uh, yeah, so this is actually, this is the first book that I started with, um, giant steps by Tony Robbins. So this book, it's going to seem like a joke to most people, but I'll show you what the inside looks like. So I hated reading. And, uh, if they're for the listeners, um, this book is the, the, it's a long book. I mean, there's probably there's 400 pages, but each page only has like three sentences on it. It's like three helpful tips to get you going for the day. So starting with that book was super helpful to me. It was like a giant boost of like, dude, I can, I can tackle this reading goal and I can get into reading so easily. Um, so anyway, so I'd get into reading. Um, and then Uh, the rest of the day was kind of just tackling what was needed. So in my specific position, my day-to-day looks very different, but my morning routine was waking up at the same time, getting ready. And now you asked about what it's like now. So having a baby, it's like, I get up at 3am and then at 5am and 7am. So I usually get my day going between seven and 9am. Um, and as soon as I can get the baby back to sleep, then I start tackling the business stuff and kind of just making sure that everything is on track. So this goes back to that delegation and pulling out the superpowers in the people around me. Um, and that's what a lot of my day is just talking with my franchisees, seeing what their superpowers are and helping them delegate to other people in their company, um, or their franchise. So a great answer. Uh, that's a really good answer. And I want to talk maybe just a little bit to some of these points Then I'm going to ask you maybe two or three more questions and we'll head out, but this has been so awesome sure. man, to have you on the show. What I wanted to highlight here is how important it is for people to recognize that it doesn't have to be cookie cutter for everyone, right? Like you said, there's this idea of like, hey, if you're going to be successful, you have to do it this way. Um, there's there's different ways, right, to get there. It's important that we get clear about what, what way we're going to follow and make sure that the results of whatever methods we're following are conducive to what we're trying to accomplish. But I mean, I mean a couple of different ideas, right? Like you have Jocko Willink, um, who wakes up at four o'clock in the morning every single day and earlier sometimes, right? That's his thing. Like you got to wake up early. 
uh, his, his Instagram is like him taking pictures of like his watch and stuff. Right. But then you have, then you have, and I've mentioned this in a couple podcasts before, but it's important to understand to your point, right? Like Winston Churchill didn't start work until 12 o'clock noon. Right. And he would take two bathtubs a day. Uh, and there's actually some really important things to understand about this principle, right? A lot of times we have people that are like, okay, I'm going to only work really, really hard in life. So I'm going to work early in the morning until late at night, but they're not intentional about what they're trying to get to. Right. And then you have these other people like, I'm only going to work smart. And they use that as a cop out to not work hard. And right. that doesn't work well, but there's this balance <laughs> between the two of like, okay, I'm going to work really smart and I'm going to give it my all by optimizing my time. So I, I tend to be that way. I usually don't start my work day until 1130 in the, in the day I wake up early still, but that doesn't mean it's exactly what everyone has to do. I love mornings. Like I love, love, love mornings. And I use them for a time to think, to grow. I read every morning. I, I like actually taking bathtubs. It's a great place to just relax, right? Like it's, it's good. And so I love, I love what you shared, right? That it's, it's different for everyone and uh, people can, can uh, kind of mold their schedules to the reality they want to build. And that's, that's exactly. great uh, insight, man, from you. Kind of Thank a you. funny experience. I don't know if you Please. want to share it on your podcast, but I'm sure. going to share it about you is that I called you once for a business related call and I could hear an echo. I could tell that you were in the bathroom and I could hear water, like kind of splash. And I was like, dude, are you in the bathtub right now? <laughs> That's awesome. I like, probably was. I dude. Totally I probably am. was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that, that is the way that like, I want to, that's the way everyone should be. Not that they need to take baths, but they should live the life that they want. I mean, they're working hard to live the life that they want. And if the life that you want is being able to take business calls in the bath, freaking do that. But Anyway, yeah, so funny experience about that. Dude, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Well, and one of the things that's great, I'll say about it, because when I'm working, I go hard, 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 hard. Um, But one of the things that I use that time for, um, it was interesting. Growing up, it was the same way. I use it for thinking, right? Like it's a place, and I'll I'll tell you why. So everyone should have a place like it. It doesn't need to be there. It could be anywhere. It could be out in the mountains. It could be um, at a place that you can just get some quiet where you can reflect and think because it's a place that's peaceful. You feel safe. It's comfortable. It's a great place to kind of run through thoughts and ideas that you're wanting to enact and make sure executed correctly. Right. And you'll get a lot of thoughts come to you and I can take notes. Oh, like this needs to happen. Right. Or these are to do's I need to do, or I need to, whatever it may be, right. It's a great place to be able to kind of manage your, your thought processes. And, and then when, you, when, you, you go to work, you start executing, right? And delegating. And that's, it's, it's an awesome, for, for me, it's a great model, right? And so I, I love that, man. Thank you so much. Um, tell me, I'm going to ask two more. What do you think the world's going to look like in five years? Dude, you're throwing out some hard questions. Um, I, I don't know, but I know what my world is going to look like in five years. Um, and that's kind of up to me to implement and decide. So for me, I know that my world is going to consist of more kids, whether that's uh, naturally or through adoption or however it happens, we are going to have more kids. Uh, We plan to still be in the house that we're in business wise. There are, um, 
several goals that I, I plan on helping people with. We want to have over 200 locations uh, across the U.S., but not only in the U.S., but Canada and internationally. Um, so a few things there. And then uh, just culture-wise within my own family, um, I don't know what what the economy is going to be like. I don't know what the rest of the world is going to believe, but I know what my family believes and kind of what we want our next five years to look like. So that's, sorry, that's a vague answer, but that's uh, what I got for you. Dude, it's not vague at all. Uh, It's actually really insightful. Uh, You've been full of great things to share today and I appreciate everything you've shared Uh, So he says, I know what my world will look like. And that's important because there's this uh, there's this um, thing that goes on psychologically with human beings. And it's either like an external um, like this. uh, I think it's locus like this, this, this idea of like what's causing or the causation of things. Right. And so it's like if, if we believe in things happening to us from an external source, then we feel like we have the opportunity or the ability to blame. I call it excuse juice. It's like, hey, the world's tough. The, the economy's hard, right? This guy's the president. And so for me in five years, I don't know what's going to happen. The world's probably going to go to pot. It's just crazy. I don't know. I don't like that. Like, I don't like that at all. I think it's garbage, right? I think it's trash. And the reason for that is I think an individual has the ability to create the life they want to live. One of my buddies, Kevin Karchner, who owns a great company called The Fight Against Mediocrity, Uh, He has a a group called the Create Your Own Economy Club. And I love it because it's this idea of like, we create what we want, right? Like we can create our own economy. We have the ability to say in five years, I don't really give a dang, like what's going on externally. There's, and there can be things that are really challenging. There's things we can't control, but what we always have power over is our mind and our actions. And we can choose how we want to view the world, see the world, and create opportunity in downturns. I've mentioned this before. I'll mention this one more time too, because it's important to what you just said. Like in 2008, right? We're, there's a great, great chance we may experience another ginormous recession, right? With what's happening. I don't know if it's going to happen or if it's not, but there's a good shot that it, it may happen here. What, what's, what's interesting is like in 2008 with the great recession, what's interesting is so many people are like that wrecked me right? That was just the worst time ever. But then you have all these other people like I made a fortune during that time. So was it was it 2008 that was rough? Or was it somebody's mindset about the situation? Because some, some person came out of 2008 saying that was the best time for me in business ever. Right? And somebody said it, it destroyed me. And so I love I love that. Um, I don't think it was too vague at all. I think it was a perfect answer. And a great, great uh, kind of question to end with here. So let me ask you, how has mindset affected your success in, in red carpet cleaning? Um, I would say that it has been what carries me through those really hard times. So similar to one of the questions that you had before about like making it through hard times, I would say it's like always down to mindset. Um, just being able to stay emotionally in, in the middle. Uh, so not getting like overly excited when you experience success and not getting too low when you do experience those 
failures, but being able to stay emotionally in the middle, keeping your mindset just steady and consistent um, helps build your own world and where you want to be within the next five years or where you want to be in any amount of time. Um, so I would say, I would say mindset is like (laughs) 80% of what makes your life, your life. That is so good. What a great place to kind of end here. It's so good. What you just said, uh, mindset is 80% what makes up your life. And I could not agree more. I'd even say it's 90, right? It's, it's very, very, um, important. And so the, the challenge that we face uh, currently, like right now is people feeling like mindset is like this cliche thing, like, ah, mindset, that's not important. Just, you know, I just got to get out there and act, but mindset it's where everything is, is created first, right? It's like a blueprint to a house. Someone could be like it, to say mindset isn't important. It would be like saying you don't need plans for a home. Just like get a bunch of wood and start like nailing stuff together. Hopefully it works. Right. But the, the mindset, it's the blueprint for your life. It's the, the thoughts, it's the plans, Right. And then once you have plans, you can actually bring those things into reality. A home, a beautiful home is built because there is a blueprint, you know, um, and it's, it's really, really a beautiful thing when people are uh, start to understand the power they have, you know, in their minds. It's great. Were you going to say one other thing? Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny that you relate it to a house because I really feel like looking at someone's house is like, kind of like looking into their mind and seeing what their mindset is like. If they have a really messy house, mentally, they are probably not super overly organized and, you know, committed to their goals. If their house is like super clean, immaculate, um, oftentimes their mind is like really organized and they are someone that is really committed. Um, It's not always the case. You can have a messy house and still be super committed to your goals and be mentally, you know, organized. But for the most part, (laughs) it's funny that you bring that, that metaphor in because I think it's in, in reality, it applies as well to the house and to your mind. Absolutely, man. Uh, That's a great thought. Absolutely. And thank you, dude. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. I'm so grateful for you. Thankful for all the good you're doing in the world. You're blessing people's lives, making them better, you know, providing business opportunities, employment opportunities, and you're just a good person, right? Like everybody ought to get to know Kyle Davis. Truly, you ought to go follow this guy. Um, He's putting out great content that could impact your life in a positive, meaningful way, right? And so this is a a good guy to kind of follow. Um, Hope so. I appreciate that. And same to you. I love being able to chat with you and connect and, and pick your brain for advice. Oh, you're kind, man. Well, thank you so much. I I love you, brother. Super grateful. You've been on the show today. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you.